You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. It's always a refreshing Screening in Kingston episode when it's time for some Star Trek talk. Uh, Tyler, welcome back in one of the forms that our audience knows and loves you for. But perhaps the only form in which the audience loves me for. Oh, and the garbage. That's they, true. Th- that, the, comment, the, the correct fan comment was, they don't like that you're not talking about Star Trek or weird films. Like, they just didn't like you out of that context. Yeah, that's So fair. I think, you know... It's also part of my opening statement, okay? I've got these two sides here. So let's not forget that you've got both. I, I do. As I, I, I contain, if not multitudes, at least two faces. And that's, two faces. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> Just like a coin. <laughs> this is the episode that has been much talked about by tens of fifteens of people um, wanting us to finally have this debate um tyler is taking the side of star trek nemesis i am taking the side of star trek insurrection this is the third and fourth films in the next generation star trek and i believe the ninth and tenth in star trek film lore like in terms of the films is Mm -hmm. nine and nine and ten um and we're going to be discussing debating uh arguing disagreeing probably then also agreeing a lot on the state of these two films and which one is better, um, you will be arguing for Star Trek Nemesis. I will be arguing for Star Trek Insurrection. Before we get going, Tyler, is there anything you want to say? I just find it funny how all of the original series Star Trek movies, their titles are always the something. And mm-hmm. then all of the Next Generation movies, their titles are just a singular word. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they made that choice? <laughs> I think they went into the colon game, but they, the, like, they, you know, okay, Star Trek, first content. I think, what one, I think they wanted to call the first movie Generations. Yeah. I think that's what started it. They went Star Trek Generations, that's what it's going to be called, what a great name for a movie, which it is. Mm-hmm. And they just decided, okay, now we're not going to do those. Like, we're going to to, to continue forward. Um, that's what I think probably happened. Yeah. I think you're, this is one of the moments, Tyler, where you want more meaning when there there isn't i think they just named the movies and they just went eh, this is the movie of the movie. yeah it does seem like when they're if you watch like this behind the scenes stuff for like especially insurrection it seems like they were just throwing around word like singular words they're like um <laughs> rampage, rampage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it rebellion Renic- <laughs> like these words are like barely connected to the plot in any way shape or form and even once you get to insurrection you're kind of like Okay, like, who's doing the... Are you saying because Picard is doing the insurrection? Okay, like, now the, hold are, on. If you're going to take it? a shot at my title, Nemesis, because that's really original. Who yeah. Like, Nemesis? Like, come on. It makes and, sense. Like, oh, <laughs> that, um, so does Insurrection. <laughs> like, barely. Like, I would say... It's, it's Picard's like, Insurrection against the Federation. You want to get into this now? We're not even... <laughs> forget our format. Everything's out the window. You want to have the... You're just going to argue with each other about the title? Was, I figured if I get you really angry right off the bat, you'll start making mistakes. And that's the... <laughs> that's how you beat me. Absolutely. That's how anyone beats me in anything. Just get me mad. And then mistakes happen all the way. It's like anger... 
creates nothing but mistakes for me all over the place and people know it um let's let's get into this we're going to talk about it we're going to go through it we have prepared opening statements mm-hmm. um and because i am a gracious host i will go first that sounds good um <clears throat> ready for my opening statement here we go <clears throat> i prepared stand ready don't interrupt me Okay, here we go. When I think of Tyler Vance, I think of two things. Star Trek and garbage. I thought I would simply never see the intersection in a Venn diagram of Tyler Vance. I thought these two things, which make him so unique, would never connect. Which means there's space for him to grow as a person. There's space in the middle. He could add something new. Maybe a third thing that he actually enjoys. Maybe he'll take up golf. Lawn bowling, perhaps. However, my dreams of this wordsmithy scientist were snapped. Like the career of Will Wheaton, Tyler Vance emerged and then disappeared in my mind because the circles have now crossed. There it is, Star Trek Nemesis. The intersection between Star Trek and Garbage, also known as the love of Tyler's life. I didn't know this about him. I just didn't. I wish I did. I didn't know he was the type of person to give himself completely over to anything that you slap the Star Trek name on. I had no idea that this was the type of relationships that he enjoys. After a long day of not curing diseases, he goes home and slips into a bubble bath, lights candles around him, turns on a marathon of Star Trek Nemesis, Star Trek Discovery, and caps it off by reading O.J. Simpson's famous book. That is Tyler Vance. That is the person I'm arguing with today. So now here I sit, my eyes finally opened, ready to fully explain why Star Trek Nemesis is simply trash. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Star Trek Insurrection is a masterpiece. It has its flaws. Of course it does. But it is much better in the whole of Star Trek The Next Generation than whatever the hell Nemesis is. So Tyler... I end with three questions for you. Who do you think you are? What gives you the right? Why do you do the things you do? And that is my opening statement. Thank you. Very very well done. Very well done, I must say. (laughs) All right. I now yield the floor to my opponent. I appreciate that. My manifesto begins thusly. (laughs) Of course you wrote a manifesto. Wordsmithy scientist, see? Yeah, yeah, you're, it's like, uh, I hope you're looking forward to not talking again for 10 minutes. Hey, it's my favorite part of the podcast, frankly. <laughs> Ahem. Esteemed gentlefolk and audience members of the Screening in Kingston podcast slash radio show. If you are listening to these opening remarks, it is likely that you, like myself, have an affinity for narratives. Whether rendered on film, stage, or page, narratives are the building blocks of stories that we hold dear. Narratives told us what happened when a group of Nazis opened the Ark of the Covenant and gazed inside. Narratives let us know what the secrets were slithering around Hogwarts School for witchcraft and wizardry. And indeed, narratives even saw fit to give us the skinny on what a world with two Jake Gyllenhaals and one massive spider would look like. (laughs) It's true that we owe narratives a lot for the entertainment and pathos that they have brought us. But folks, there's been a trend of late when narratives are seeping from our stories and into our perception of the real world. We don't look at reality through observations and substantiated facts anymore. We look at reality through the stories we tell ourselves, and we see time and time again 
that even when new findings readily change, uh, challenge our cherished narratives about the world around us, we prefer to cling to our old ways and push away conflicting results. This is true of the narratives concerning our politics, our histories, our business decisions, our friends, and even our family. And even, I'm sorry to report, our fandoms. And is this last equally important arena that we must turn our gaze. For there is a travesty taking place within a fandom that we all hold dear, and it has been and continues to be committed by a narrative. To which problematic narrative could I be referring? Perhaps the sexist narrative promoted by anti-Brie Larson trolls in the MCU? Or the racist narratives targeting specific characters in The Last Jedi? Maybe even just pretty much any narrative associated with Rick and Morty. Nay, <laughs> I'm setting my sights on an even bigger travesty, the narrative that Star Trek Nemesis is the worst TNG movie. <laughs> Ever since 2002, when Nemesis found itself in the unfortunate position of holding the hot potato when the goodwill for Star Trek ended, people have tried to claim that this was the movie that destroyed Star Trek. But the truth is that all problems in Star Trek Nemesis are the exact same problems that are in every other TNG movie. They're all a bunch of sci-fi action flicks featuring the elderly, who was a, uh, like who are originally an intriguing ensemble of characters has been boiled down to just Data and Picard. Why does Nemesis get all the flack for doing what everyone else did? At least it had the good sense to do it better than most of its predecessors. Don't believe me? Well, let's take a look at, uh, I don't know, let's say Star Trek Insurrection as an example. <sighs> like Nemesis, Insurrection has a plot that sidelines most every other character in service to Picard and to a lesser extent Data. Unlike Nemesis, Picard and Data are not given complimentary arcs that showcase you just how Data has grown as a person. Instead, Picard is given a lackadaisical love interest that showcases just how much Patrick Stewart is deep into his midlife crisis. Like Nemesis, Insurrection is real happy with its action set pieces. Yet, instead of focusing on a multi-part, beautifully rendered interstellar dogfight where the Enterprise is up against the scariest ship to ever hunt the stars, Insurrection chooses to focus on its second unit coverage of six aging actors and Brent Spider's stunt double as they gallivant about a geographically confusing set of cliffs and shoot unconvincingly at bad CGI drones. Ugh. Like Nemesis, Insurrection attempts to introduce actual stakes with extensive ramifications for the universe at large. Oh, oh, wait, no. I'm checking my notes here. Actually, Insurrection doesn't do that at all. Oh, what? <laughs> While Nemesis features events that will ripple outwards to impact Enterprise and its crew and the galaxy in which it resides for generations, Insurrection could be removed from the franchise without any implications. So perhaps it is time for a shift in the narrative, a recognition that we have unjustly maligned an even-numbered Star Trek film for far too long, with real-world consequences for the career of its crew and the legacy of its cast. And if you must point your ire towards a TNG film, it should be Insurrection, its predecessor that did it first and worst. Now, there will be some of you out there that are unable to accept this new world order, who will shy away from the facts and cling to the familiar. Perhaps these people are diehard MCU fans. They are therefore used to terrible CGI action scenes taking over the, like, the plot and covering up any lack of true stakes. Perhaps these people are dead inside, watching Data's final sacrifice with all the emotional maturity of a heartless robot. Or perhaps these people have a background in theater and just really wanted to watch Brent Spiner sing British Tar. <laughs> One will never know why these people are unable to accept the truth, but it is time for us to move on without them. Star Trek Nemesis is not the worst TNG movie. The narrative is dead. Long live the narrative. And like a thousand other commanders on a thousand other battlefields, I wait for the dawn. <laughs> Dawn's coming right now. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I'm gonna. I, I the the point I'm jumping on to kick this off here is the 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 British tar singing here. I would much rather see an android sing a Gilbert and Sullivan classic, which is something he would absolutely have in his programming because he would be programmed with actual cultural heritage than whatever he sang at that wedding. Like he sang in the next movie. You don't you're, like you're, blue skies. 
No, Blue Skies is a stupid. I didn't even know the name of the song. Okay, that's <laughs> how much I, I don't care. That was that was dumb. I would have cut that out. We're going to talk about that at the end of the episode of what we should have, Nemesis should have kept in. So don't. Don't let don't me come forget. at you. <laughs> yeah, because we're we gotta talk about that. But and we 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 agree on that. Yeah. But you could have taken that out of Nemesis. I would much rather have the the reason for him singing is to distract his programming. He's a robot. You distract his pro- well, Android. Sorry. You, you distract his programming by giving him something to focus on because his, his programming is is working, but it's it's something's malfunctioning. So they can attach. The two ships together so Worf can go up there and have one of the great moments of, of freezing and turning data off, not knowing if it's going to happen. It's fantastic. You got great comedy out of it because Worf doesn't want to sing and he doesn't know who Gilbert and Sullivan is. They could be new members of the crew, he said. Yeah. I haven't met everyone yet. It's funny. It's a great moment. The, all Blue Skies does is make you cringe for at this wedding that's like just cringe-worthy all over the place. And they cut out Will Wheaton yeah okay so it's like lots of things to, <laughs> lots of things to is like to talk about there as like so the first thing is like the kind of like logical inconsistency of being able to distract an android that is able to do millions of calculations per second while also carrying on a conversation with singing a song by gilbert and sullivan so that's he's damaged whole, tyler he was yeah, shot in the, yeah, yeah. shot like, in the neck so was the person who wrote that scene but oh. <laughs> but then the other thing is like the other thing that is we're kind of comparing apples and oranges here but really the the blue sky sequence that takes place is actually in more the kind of like introductory background like crew portion and i think it's something that really that works really well with nemesis because yeah at the moment you're watching it you're kind of like okay this is just data being goofy and then when you hear the first couple of lines of it at the very end it's like when b4 is singing it it's a much more like emotionally potent thing than like you remember when british tar comes back in insurrection for an emotional wallop you don't because it didn't happen. <laughs> because it doesn't need to. Because it's not because there it, for an emotional walk. And it, because it shouldn't have been. And it because B because B four was such a disaster of a character that the only thing they could do is just like man, emotional manipulation. That's what really, you're feeling, Tyler. It's not real. It's, they're manipulating emotion again because you're because you're at the end of your hard day and you haven't cured any diseases. You're laying in a bed with all, or sorry, laying, laying, I it was watching, a bathtub, yeah. bathtub, sorry, bathtub with bubbles, sorry, bathtub with bubbles, I gotta go back to my notes here, you're in a bathtub with bubbles, you've got like probably, I don't know, you probably drink champagne all the time, so you're drinking champagne, you have candles lit, of course you're feeling emotional, you would, you would cry over anything, it's emotional manipulation, they didn't have to do anything to create that emotional manipulation for you, because B4's done nothing. He has no emotional yeah, connection. If anything, he's I think it's evil. it's hard to trust your and then, opinion on this, though. <laughs> because because I'm not in the bathtub? You, no, because you don't have emotions when you watch things. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yes, that's true. That's very true. That's a good point. And that's why I should be trusted, because I'm emotionally disconnected. So, I can so then see is, is your next response saddle up, lock and load, because you're the one that's not being impacted by the emotional manipulations of Nemesis? I don't want to talk about saddle up, lock and load. Okay? You, oh, of course you don't. No one wants to talk that. about saddle up, Listen, lock and load. You, you want to talk about some lines from Nemesis? Is that what you want to do? You want to get I, some individual lines? Yeah, brilliant. Want to, oh, <laughs> we're not going to do that. So <laughs> listen, I uh, let's move on from singing. We don't have time okay. for this. Point is... Yes, <laughs> time for singing. Scariest ship? Are you kidding me? In the universe where the Borg exists, where we just had the best Star Trek movie of all time with the scary Borg, you're going to tell me that Shinzon's ship is scarier than the Borg? That's what you're going to say right now? I'm going to say that it's scarier than a Borg cube. It's scarier than a Borg cube. It- 
Look at the thing. It's this huge, like, bird of prey thing that, like, I don't think we can continue. The reveal of it, the reveal of it is so potent when they're just sitting there waiting. And then as Picard turns his back on the view screen and it slowly materializes out of the cloak and it dwarfs Mm -hmm. the Enterprise E, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the Enterprise E is a very impressive battleship that managed to destroy a Borg cube in slightly under 10 minutes with Um, 16 other starships around. Yeah, as like and a lot of like and a lot of know-how, but at the and same time, and a lot time, of know-how because he's connected to the board. Yeah, yeah, but like, but then meanwhile, you have the Enterprise E going like with two Romulan warbirds going against mm-hmm. this one ship. Mm-hmm. It's like two Romulan. Okay, hold on, hold on. Romulan warbirds. Fifty-two. Those aren't Romulan warbirds. Those are what are those? Those are they're just new little ships. Do they even have fifteen people on them? They were tiny little things. What do you mean they're tiny? They're, they're like, like, they're like the... little, oh, we're going to send these like raiders out there. Like the whole Romulan Empire spared two little tiny ships I to be- go after this ship. I believe the is like the exact lo- is like uh, re- quote is Commander Valoria of the Romulan Warbird include names. <laughs> no, well, Warbird. They do not look like those are not my Romulan Warbirds. I'll tell you that much. Hashtag not my Warbirds. Not my <laughs> yeah, not my Warbirds. Also, can I just make your comment here? But so you've never seen a ship uncloak before. Not That's in, your whole with thing like of, the oh, creepy mm-hmm. music playing in, and then it reveals not just like as you're putting it, this puny little Romulan warbird, but this massive <laughs> black <laughs> ship is like that looks like with these huge wings, is like that are gazed. And then as Worf is listing off the tactical aspects, primary, secondary shields, fifty-two disruptor banks, is like photon and quantum torpedo. You're like, oh my goodness, like this this thing, as Picard says, is a predator, and you can't help but feel this like sense of like. I hope we don't have to go up against that, but then secretly in the back of your head, like, I can't wait for them to go up against that. <laughs> the, uh, the ship in Star Trek Into Darkness, like the big, just mm. the like two times, ten times the size of Enterprise, that was a creepier ship. That was a more formidable ship. I felt more dangerous. Like if, if you're going to try to come, <laughs> I at felt me, that's I, Star Trek Into in the movie in, in the movie theater in the movie theater. Now, now again, this is I. Two different times. But I saw this in 2002. I saw mm-hmm. Star Trek Nemesis in the movie theaters more than yeah. once. More than one time because oh, I'm a, I'm a real a Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did. a couple of times, did you? <laughs> you want to know how many times I watched Insurrection? Yes. 46. All right. So... 46 times that's a lot <laughs> too much? <laughs> far too many times. <laughs> Is that... 45 too many times maybe like we'll we'll discuss i yes i went back and watched nemesis many times same with star trek into darkness and i was not creeped out by that ship i wasn't i never felt uh anything because the movie was so bad up till that point we had already done the multiple picards thing talk about a, a disappointing villain We'd already done the multiple Picards thing. Watch Star Trek The Next Generation. We had two Picards. We had two Rikers. We had two Worfs. Well, multiple Worfs from different universe. We had like a million Datas. Like, why are we just... Nemesis is just repeating beats we've already done from the TV show. Oh, is is that really where you want to go? Yeah, that's where I want to go. You want to go with just repeating beats from the the TV show? Yeah, that's where I want to go. You you sound like you're alluding to something here. You've been taking shots at Nemesis quite a bit. And, you know, it's fair. Nemesis deserves to have shots taken at it. And I feel like... The shields, while it was like while a little quivering, are holding up quite nicely against this thing. <laughs> Let's turn our eyes slightly towards insurrection. Let's take those fifty-two disruptor banks and just put them a little bit to the left and wonder. Let's do it. Describe the plot to me of insurrection in a way that doesn't sound like the plot of at least two other Star Trek episodes. The Enterprise mm-hmm. is called to an area of space yeah. that is difficult to get to. 
and is Ooh. disconnected from Starfleet. Definitely never seen that before. That's good. That's good. We're in a good place. <laughs> you want me to do? You want to answer your question? <laughs> you want? You want? My bad. My bad. Yes. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, and and they're summoned there because there's something wrong with Data. We don't know what's wrong with Data, but Data is causing some sort of issues on a planet where they are observing the population um, for some unknown purpose. The Enterprise arrives um, and they find out that one they have, that Starfleet has a deal with one species to actively remove a population from a planet. Um, in order to give this planet to this new species because they need it for medical reasons. Um, and thus begins the moral issues at the heart of Star Trek The Next Generation, carried through well in this uh, movie, where Picard has to look at his own personal morals and what he believes the Federation stands for versus an evil admiral who believes that the connection to powerful allies is more important than the values that built the Federation. And that is the plot of Star Trek Insurrection. Would you like me to describe the plot for you from my perspective of Nemesis? Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I just was like, I, I, I think you didn't, you misunderstood the brief. I asked, can you explain the plot of Star Trek Insurrection in a way that doesn't sound like at least two episodes from the next generation? Because I believe you I didn't said say. that Nemesis, Nemesis is weak because we're doing things that have already been seen in the episodes. Co- correct. Uh, for, for, in terms of in terms of introducing multiple peoples that we've already done. We've done two Picards, we've done two Datas. Yes. The Sona have never been there before. This exact pl- the Briar Patch have never... Well, okay. <laughs> you're you're going to notice I'm not going to bring up the Sona much. I, I noticed uh, that you're trying to... Start, you're, like, you're like, oh, this stupid scimitar ship. Not yeah. very in, in, invested. Listen, like, I can't even remember what the Sona ship look like. They're like... I d- they don't moves. have a look. <laughs> they, they don't have a look. Leave them alone. <laughs> we're, not ta- we're not talking about that. We're talking about oh, what no, makes Star Trek... Listen, I'm talking about what makes Star Trek star trek and what i describe is what makes star trek star trek an admiral Mm -hmm. who's evil who's Mm -hmm. going again i mean listen you're you're an original series fan this should be right up your alley i mean how many evil admirals did they have in the original series pretty much everybody everybody if you ever met anyone who was higher authority than kirk they were inherently evil (laughs) they were evil yes so or at least highly misinformed (laughs) misinformed which i think is probably more accurately for for the admiral in instruction, he's more misinformed. He gets in over his head. Maybe he's not necessarily evil, but anywho, yeah. Picard versus the Federation was mm-hmm. a theme we have not done in the movies. We okay. we just haven't. That was a theme from the television shows. That was clear. Picard versus the Federation. The best episodes of the Next Generation had him in a moral dilemma but often arguing with someone from Starfleet and having to make a decision because he's the one out there. And we finally got to see that in a television show. And those connections, yeah, I don't mind that it's a little bit connected to things that we've seen because it used to be a TV show and now it's the movie. We don't have to go into wild new directions. We can honor what came before without repeating the exact same beat of there's a duplicate Picard for some reason sitting on Romulus. Yeah, you know, it's like so... This is an interesting, an interesting point that you're bringing up because definitely some of the some Thank of you. the best next generation episodes are the ones, and the best moments in the next generation are the moments where Picard stands his ground against the Federation slipping in its morality. There's like I think one of the best scenes in all of Star Trek is the one is like in the episode where is like Data has an offspring, and the Admiral is trying mm. to order Data to give up his, like his child, and Picard responds. Not while I'm his captain, it's yeah. like, and Isaac, and Great so moment. I can understand the want to see that in a movie in this state. 
Um, you know what? And let's episodes, leave it there, everyone. You know Thank what you those episodes listening. don't have? It's like it's like the uh, it's like a moral is like um it's like it's like the the moral connect is like a conundrum is brought up in those episodes and it's discussed and we don't really maybe sometimes we don't have a satisfactory it's like answer in between those two points the points of discussing and not having a satisfactory answer we don't have around a 40 minutes like thing of action sequence Listen. where instead of having those interesting conversations the movie tries to shoehorn one moral stance so far down your throat that you come out the other end going like oh i guess picard's in die hard now like and then, <laughs> no like, now this, hold on like, that's it that's an egregious comment okay what a, what about him in the rover on the planet for nemesis you talked about Picard and Die Hard. What if was with the if car we're, if chase? We're deciding scene? what things we don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the rover. <laughs> yeah, we each, we each get three. <laughs> so if you don't want to talk about the rover, that's very I don't want to talk about the rover. You have a. I would love to hear you try to explain your way out of that one. But I think I, I, think I have so... I have some things I can try and say. But I think it would be better for everyone if we just agreed that mistakes were made. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> mistakes were made. Let's move on. Like it, it is. Di- I think it is difficult for someone viewing to, like you're, I think you were saying like to have this moral quandary like shoved down your throat. I think that's more difficult when your your mouth is filled with champagne bubbles, right? Like of course you have a problem swallowing yeah, so, it because so, you're sitting there drinking champagne or whatever, or maybe you're a prosecco person. I don't know. You're drinking some. I do. Weird I do thing. love prosecco, admittedly. But does yeah, see, I knew I, it. I knew you were a prosecco <laughs> person. But, if we're is it, I, I didn't say that you're shoving the moral quandary down my throat. You're shoving the moral perspective, like one of the two perspectives down my throat. I love the moral quandary. There is like a great moment in insurrection where he is having that back and forth with the admiral, and I feel like the admiral is coming up with a lot of very like actual mm-hmm. like legitimate points. Agreed. Like these people showed up here of their own volition. They are travelers. They found here. It's like, and then Picard kind of the counters with like, yeah, but you know, if you move them, this is their culture. This is their society. And he comes back with like, you know, it could help billions. It could help save millions. Like these are legit concerns that I feel mm-hmm. the Admiral is presenting. Yeah. And the movie is not interested in allowing that side to flourish. We it's like well, have okay. the, 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 it's like this, um, this race. What are they? What is the name of the, uh, the idyllic race? The Baku. The Baku. Yeah. Um, who have effectively, like, you know, they've given up technology. They're really smart, they're, like, and they're able to live for a good long period of time. And everything they say, the movie is like, you see, that's 100% correct. And so many of the things they say, I'm like, okay, now wait a minute here. Like, is it, mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah, it was, oh, we were in a, as a, there was a while ago where the young people tried to rise up and we forced them out of the colony. I'm like, okay, hold up. If you don't have any ships, how did you force them off? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to learn and, more about it, that personally. And, and, and if you're going to force them off the planet, effectively condemning them to die because they were no longer immortal, you have a huge planet. Why not just condemn them to the opposite side of the planet? And why were they so unhappy about there in the first place? Perhaps it's this kind of like my way or the highway mentality. If you pick up a machine, we become one of them. This mm-hmm. fundamentalist mentality that Picard is suddenly like, yep, 100%, I agree with that. It's like, and so don't worry, we'll pick up the guns for you and, like, and do it for you in this case, and you'll be... Put- totally happy with that these people are not a morally righteous like like uh, untouchable people but the movie decides that they have to be so that we can't think about those things when Picard is shooting at Sona later on like that can't be allowed to have any moral gray area near the end 
Okay, and, they're um, called they're called the Sona. The name isn't Sona. He's not shooting at Sona. There's not a character named Sona. Well, uh, can you? Okay, I would like to. I like you to tell me what the name of the two lead Sona are in this. I I think that that is. A ridiculous <laughs> I, I would like you to tell me who Shinzon and the Viceroy's counterparts are in Insurrection, please. <laughs> <laughs> Shinzon, that's it. I know. No, Shinzon. I would like you to tell you who Shinzon and Viceroy's counterparts in Insurrection are, as in the two main bad guys in Insurrection. I would like you to tell Admiral, me what their name Admiral Dorsey. Dor- Dor- oh, Dorsey. 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 Are you, yeah. Are we, are we sure about that? Is that your final answer? No, it's not my final answer. Now that you're saying it that way, I think that might be actually be a character from Downton Abbey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the Admiral, Admiral Man, and uh, um, evil-sounding uh, name. Uh, sonar captain, Captain. Something. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, I, I was like, I love him. <laughs> captain, Captain Ruffus. Yeah. It's something. It's like it's like Ruaffle or something like it, that. It is right? Ruaffle. Like it's Ruaffle. Oh, okay, Ruoffle. okay. I, I, it, I had that name in my head, but I'm like, no, that's wrong. You're making that name. Is it, is, <laughs> and you can get it right with Admiral Dorty as well. That is his name. <laughs> that is his name. Oh, yeah. no, don't make me sound like I don't know names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. I, w- I was going to say that you, you didn't come in quite as hot as I would hope you would for the villain of the supposed <laughs> the movie. No. Listen, uh, but F. Murray Abraham yeah, does a actor. good job. Good, good job with what he's given. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you on one thing. They could have mm-hmm. done a little bit of a better job showing the balance. And that's what I want out of Star Trek 2. Mm-hmm. I want two opposing points yep. where, yes, your lead characters take one. The other side takes the other. And there's no clear like side that's better you're just following the main characters i love those episodes of star trek i agree with you i'm totally on board it's a movie they have to do certain things in a certain amount of time point i understand why they did it i'm still as someone who's not in a bathtub distracted by prosecco or whatever it is maybe you're eating cherries i don't know what you're doing but like because i'm not distracted by those things i'm still in my head going hey he's making some good points like i don't need you to i don't need the movie to hold my hand through the moral side of it. Like I can see both sides of it very clearly without you holding my hand that we need to have like another scene later where you start to kind of feel better. I think that that race of people is very questionable for kicking, for kicking the young people out for that entire thing that gets unquestioned. That's very questionable. I think Picard in the moment does what he can do with the information that he has and I understand that he's also, which we haven't brought up yet, and I, I think it's interesting that you haven't brought this point up yet. He's also thinking like someone in his early 20s, maybe even younger, maybe even teenage mentality. When you're that young, you're not thinking to the same level of depth that someone like Picard would be thinking when he's his normal time. Because of the way that this atmosphere of the planet of the system is is emitting these strange radiations, your your brain is almost deforming itself. Your your like brain hasn't fully formed till you're 26 or something, we've discovered some some age that's random. So he's going back to a time where he's way more aggressive, way more quick to act, way more quick to, to make a decision and without thinking. And I think that adds such an interesting volume. They could have gone into it more. I'm not going to disagree with that. But it keeping that in the back of your head makes it, well, yeah, like a young person who doesn't know a lot of information is going to take this rash step. And I like the fact that they made their age make more sense with the way they were behaving because they had the minds of teenagers and the bodies of adults. In Nemesis, there's no excuse. They're just a bunch of old people running around. 
and you just and say, get back to your chairs. <laughs> Everyone except for Beverly Crusher, who holds up like perfectly. Everyone else is so old. Jordy yeah. can barely walk. Like Gates uh, McFadden doesn't seem to age. <laughs> she does not age. I, mean, did you, I don't know if you've seen, maybe you stay away from it, but the Picard season three trailers. Mm, no, I haven't seen and, it yet. So she's in it. And even then I'm like, you look like you're maybe 15 years removed from this. Like you yeah. don't, like somehow you just aren't aging as a person and everyone else around them, like just everyone's aging so fast, except for Gates McFadden. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and so it's, it's, I remember when we first clashed about Nemesis versus Insurrection, we had this kind of same like pushback, the idea that like, you know, as like insurrection is talking about kind of like is in communication with the fact that they're aging because they're mm-hmm. like they're feeling themselves to be younger yeah. um it is a very handy way for the movie's morality to also be like tuned back to the morality of a teenager is like is to try and have your lead characters is like uh do it that way I, i'm not i'm gonna give them props that's a very clever way to try and like cram your like very black and white action movie morality into a star trek film um it's like but all that to be said that the movie is like by the end has no qualms about anything that is taking place. Like the, it's like the actual like moral themes of what we're experiencing here are kind of like, and everything's happy. Um, <laughs> it's like, and it was kind of like, okay. Meanwhile, you look at something we're like, Nemesis, come back to that in a second. Continue. You, so you look at something like nemesis where it's like, um, yeah, like, you know, we're doing like a, a, like a younger Picard thing here. So it's like, once again, he's in communication with time and move it moving onwards. Um, and how, like, trying to live, look back at what he was, what he is now. And the really cool thing about it is that instead of taking our characters and having to de-age them so we can have them in an action movie, the good chunk of, like, the nemesis conundrum is basically Picard using his advanced age, his experience, his, like, his understanding of himself to try and best this younger version of him. Mm. And it is unfortunate that the way that that decides to end is with a knife fight. But before mm-hmm. that, that is unfortunate, are, it, it is unfortunate. But before that, we do have <laughs> wonderful moments of him talking to him about how you can aspire to be better. I did watch this movie with uh, my wife who had never seen the TNG movies. So we watched through them. Um, but All she had four? seen, but she had seen the series. No, we only did generations and nemesis. Um, only because, generations and nemesis. Yeah, is it, we we like we we. I'm gonna go back to show her first contact, and maybe okay. if you can convince me, insurrection. Um, but we is like, but we get through to nemesis, and we get to that scene with Brent Spiner and Patrick Stewart in stellar cartography, where basically it's the moment where the two arcs converge, where it's like Data and his experiences with B four is converging with Picard. And I'm just thinking back to all the times that Data came to Picard in his ready room and asked him questions about humanity. And Picard would teach him lessons and would try to help him and they can show him through. And then finally, at the end of this whole long process, we have Picard coming and talking to Data about this. And Data is able to share with something with him about the idea of kind of like, you aspire to be better than you are. And that makes you different than this other, this being out there that's just trying to like, that's trying to damage and destroy the world. Um, and it's that experience that changes that he's had as a person that he's aspiring always to improve. They don't decide to deal with age by ignoring it and by saying, okay, they're young again. They deal with age by looking it straight in the eye and saying, look what you've accomplished because you've aged. And I think that that's the way to do it in the Star Trek movie. The way you poetically state things sounds great. It does (laughs) not translate in film the way you're stating it. If you wrote a book, and that happened in it, I'd be like, great. What a great connector. Because one of the things I'm going to say mm-hmm. is, yeah, you've picked a few moments where in the TV show, 
Picard and Data. Picard's been sort of like a mentor to Data. Makes total sense. There's a mentorship there. Um, I object to how close they claim in the movies Picard and Data are. All the movies do this thing where, well, that relationship between Picard and David, like Picard's going to go save David, the Data from uh, from the Borg because he risked everything to save him. First of all, your whole crew did that. And in Nemesis, like all these moments, like it's been, it's Picard and Riker, not Picard and Data. And the only reason why they they had to stray away from that is because the second half of the TV series, they stopped giving Riker things to do. Mm-hmm. And it became such more of an ensemble show. Picard needed those moments with his ensemble, not yeah. just Data. Data 100%. being the emotional cru- crux of this alone is a disservice to ending the entire series. And that's one of the things that Nemesis does extremely poorly. Well, it's like, it's like as I said, this, this is the same, and as you said, this is the same problem throughout all of the TNG movies. And I'm, thinking, and I'm kind of looking like, if you're going to do that, if that's what you've decided, that you have to focus on two characters, then this is the way to do it. Um, as opposed to in is like Insurrection, where like Picard and Riker are effectively not in the same place for the vast majority of it. Same with like, First Contact. Yeah. And Picard is effectively also not interacting with almost any of his crewmates um, because he's so much, he's spending so much time with, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, the, like, um, Anij, the, uh, the lackadaisical love interest, as I, it's like, as I put it forward <sighs> no. as earlier. Well, Do you know what we really didn't need in Star Trek like, anymore? We didn't need like kind of like this unnecessary it's like um like flourishing romance between these two when we was like, when right. like yeah we don't have time for the rest we don't, of the ensemble we don't need that okay but, you heard it first here we'll star trek fans tyler vance says we don't need captain james t kirk tyler vance says i we don't I, need I actually captain will james i will go one better mm-hmm. i would say that all of the romance sequences with t- captain james t kirk in the original series are the worst part of that series okay, absolutely. they should all be no, stricken from the record have like, you ever the- like okay i know you're like you're you're married and probably happy so <laughs> do, do, think back to a time when you're like single and like just out and about you never like meet someone and have a connection for like a couple hours like that's never happened to you you don't know what adventure is and and finding oh, de- it doesn't like, have definitely. to be romantic connections friend connection any type of connection like that's just what happens when you're out and exploring uh, and being part of the world, it, it happens. Picard's love interest—it's such a non-starter in there anyway. You're you're, you're focusing on on the the, the color of things. the tissue box, like <laughs> it's not it's not that it's not that important. You, you know how we there's something in, in computational science when there's a process that's inefficient and it's called memory. No, I don't actually. I'm because not a scientist, you're, Tyler. You're, because you're losing <laughs> you're losing memory from the process. It's like and you're basically like losing valuable time that you could be spent on other things. It's a very good it's like uh, analogy you bring up. Of the idea of when you run into a person and you have this like suddenly like a couple hour connection that you're probably never going to see again imagine if that happened while you were spending time with six friends that you haven't seen in four years and then because of that you don't get to talk to any of your friends instead Listen, you spend all your time talking to this random person you'll never see again and then you all go your separate ways it's like did they where <laughs> yes, were they, in, they <laughs> so in, in insurrection the whole crew 
Except for they need they need to go tell Starfleet what's going on. So someone's got to stay on the Enterprise, and it's got to be Riker because he's directing the movie. So oh, of course, and he's also he was already wearing the uniform. So he well, yeah. So he, he, he knew he wasn't going. I'm glad Picard made that choice before yeah, yeah. them after they were already dressed for it. <laughs> yeah, actually, Riker and Jordy come with us, they, and everyone. Yeah. Like, actually, you know what? You guys <laughs> need to get out of that uniform. I want yeah. the counselor Troy to go with you because why the heck would she be of any yeah, use why, down there? Any. <laughs> Why? Because she has so much command experience now. You think that the, the she'd be the one commanding the ship? To yeah, get I think they were just scared to give her this like a uh, like the helm because every time she has the helm of the ship, she crashes it into something, whether it's yeah, the planet she's, uh... generation or the ship in Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't exactly have a good track record with that. No. but they do do like you know that that is that moment of of Worf, who's not even on the crew anymore, yeah. um, which they explain in insurrection like they do in first contact but somehow pass it over in nemesis he's at the wedding whatever why is he on the ship on the because bridge going control i'm gonna control things like getting to the other <laughs> so it was so okay next time you're on a cruise because you probably go on cruises you're a scientist i want you to go up to the bridge and see if you can just operate the controls if I had, i'm sure if I, they'll I'm be sure like, if i was yeah. a standing member of the navy and had already done that post for a long time they was like they might ask me to come do it not if not if they were transporting you for a wedding they're not going to put you on that they're going to put your feet up it's fine you don't they don't need don't, morph on the bridge in nemesis they just Klingons did it don't because the director <laughs> <laughs> okay i was still saying you i didn't know you were <laughs> sorry you as a klingon is probably not allowed on the ship anyway yeah that's but true they probably wouldn't it, like that see now i've just completely lost my train of thought i didn't even know where i was going with that thank you very much the point is it's <laughs> insurrections better than nemesis one of the things i wanted to talk about though that we haven't gotten to yet was your comment about stakes mm, i yeah. don't need every movie i see to have such high stakes well, i, know, I already you like the mcu so it makes sense that that's so that would be the way you look yeah because that's that's how that's what stories are if it's high stakes all the time you're gonna get sick of the world always ending low stakes is what makes things more personal yeah. Like this insurrection is is a good personal follow up for Picard after the big stakes of the Borg attacking Earth. Why do we need another movie with Nemesis with another big stakes? We just add two generations, big stakes, first contact, big stakes. Pull it down and make personal stories. I would have much preferred, especially if it was the last movie, a movie that felt more like characters, him saying goodbye, his moments with his crew. Not one person, not one individual, because they have to save the universe. Why can't they just save themselves? Why can't it be that personal connection? And I, I like that with Insurrection. I don't think that's a knock against it. Just like Star Trek Beyond is like my favorite of the new Star Trek movies because it's more of an isolated story. And it's you having to do this to prevent something small happen, which can be just as impactful as something big. Because that's life. It's big stories, little stories. You don't know this because you try to cure diseases. You have one and zero. You don't have anything in between. Or sorry, 10 and zero. You have nothing in between. You don't have a five day. You either cured that big disease or you didn't. And you didn't. So here you are watching, you know, Star Trek Nemesis and being I, happy about it. I can't tell what's on trial here. Is Star Trek Nemesis or my, like, bathing rituals? Well, it's, of... <laughs> you know what's really funny? Because when I was writing the opening statement, I was like, I don't know how much Tyler versus Nemesis I want to do. But I'm like, well, I'm probably going to only talk about Nemesis throughout the episode. So the opening statement should be more against Tyler but, but this episode's been very balanced yeah I'm surprised <laughs> yeah, by myself 50, 50. about 50 50 yeah. I'd say yeah, um, so I, I do want to come back so I think I've been misconstrued a little bit it's like um 
when I'm saying when I'm talking stakes, I don't necessarily mean world ending stakes. Like I don't need Earth to be is like in jeopardy in order for there to be stakes. And I think that is one of the weakest knocks of Nemesis, where like Picard is effectively like, there's only one reason he'd build this. He's going after Earth. And I'm like, that's a bit of a leap. I'm like, like I feel like there's a lot of other planets out there. Like this is a very like human centric viewpoint that you got going on here. Yeah, um, that that and to me that was a bit of a a jump. Like yeah. I would have preferred just something for nemesis to like a slight improvement for that moment of him to just understand the stakes of like he's building this big ship it's in front of us it's coming for us like who, yeah. like it's nothing to do you don't have to bring in anybody else it's it i can infer on my own that if you don't stop him here what's mm-hmm. to stop him from continuing forward yeah. i can do that on my own yeah and so i i agree with you on that it's like what i'm talking about in terms of stakes are actually like things that make an impact that ripple outwards into the universe, but also within the characters themselves. And I do honestly believe that you can watch First Contact and then watch Nemesis. And other than being like, huh, I guess Troy and Riker got back together. I guess they really bonded. It was like when they were on Earth together and Deanna was drunk. Um, other than like that one character beat, you can skip right over it. And you're kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. Like there's, there is nothing that happens in insurrection that I feel ripples out anyway. And part of it is because they're all acting not like themselves. They're not, it's like, it isn't like something that they're doing that is going to be like going, taking out, is like, is it taking us onward is like, as we go forward, a change in mentality, a change in the ship, a change in the status quo. I think Nemesis does a really good job of not only does it have the big thing at the end um, where it's a big change, but it's about basically this family dissolving about people moving on in their respective areas. And you're right that way. I don't need every movie to be kind of like the be all and end all of like things are happening now. But I feel if it was going to be the last next generation movie, like for it to be insurrection, which is like effectively one you could skip in a rewatch would have been really sad. And instead watching something like nemesis where all the characters go off to do their different things. And as a universal builder, this is the first step towards the Federation and the Romulans beginning to mend fences and come together as like as an allied race, which will have huge implications for almost everything that happens afterwards in the world of Star Trek. Yeah, so, but then Picard completely, like Star Trek Picard completely destroyed that. Well, if because we're, apparently... if if we're going to hold Nemesis responsible for the sins of the Alex Kurtman era Star Trek, then I think we've lost our way as a, as a society, to. as a, we as have a no species, choice. and as a race. <laughs> we have no choice because time is linear. So after Nemesis... A bunch of stuff happens, according to Star Trek Picard, that undermines the point you just made. Because the connection between the Romulans and the Federation doesn't improve whatsoever because the Federation refused to help them. Their, their, their star explodes and the Federation debated it, according to Star Trek Nemesis. And Picard had to, again, argue, wouldn't that have been a better movie for the third movie? Is like, okay, everyone's moving on. Okay, I like that. I agree. I'm not saying that Insurrection should have been the final movie for for Star Trek. I'm saying that we should have had like six of them, not four. And I'm saying that the final movie, what I want is a character story of saying goodbye to all these individuals wrapped in something else. Wouldn't it have been a better movie to have this star explode? Still the Romulans can be in it. And Picard arguing with the Federation on what to do and his crew coming for one last time, standing with him for one last time before going their separate ways to help another civilization out. That would have definitely been a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, and and all the things you've said, all these poetic things you've said very poetically, I'm sure people listening are like, wow, that like, no, this sounds great. You're making it sound so much better than it is. 
because the the like weird directing choices and the the non nuance uh, the non subtlety of that film is is not as things you're not even talking about you're blowing past it you you refuse to talk about the desert chase scene um i i don't know you, you haven't brought up the the weird no reason to have a connection to deanna troy in her mind thing that's that, that is that is gonna be my second that. one that i would prefer not to talk about okay fine well there you go there's two. so i think that that at the end of the day the movie just didn't do for me the things that you're saying it does for you because i can't get past not enjoying the theatrical experience of it whereas with insurrection you're right you could probably skip it for story structure you could probably skip it for character development it wasn't supposed to be the last movie it wasn't even supposed to be the second last movie i'm okay with having star trek movies i think we'd look at it different if there were six of these if we had six next-gen movies, and Insurrection and maybe Nemesis was a better movie and at the end, and there were two others in there, we'd probably look at Insurrection a little bit differently. It's a, it's, a, it's a piece of the story. It's in there. It's part of it. There are some of the original series movies you can take out. There's episodes of Next Generation that I think you and I would both sit here and say it's amazing what great television that you could remove, mm-hmm. and it doesn't change anything for character development. So I think that that is something I'm willing to forgive, understanding the fact that when they made this movie, it wasn't going to be the second last one. Then when they were making Nemesis, they knew it was the last one. They knew. Yeah, well, when you watch the special features, every time they thought it was the last one, as they, except for First Contact. Well, like, first Contact, they got first out contact. of First Contact, and they were like, okay, this is like a big thing. We're going to make the new one. After Insurrection, they had no contracts. None of the actors were still tied to it. There was no clear indication that there was going to be another one. And same with Nemesis. And at the end of the interviews, they're all going, who knows? Maybe there'll be another one. And I'm sitting there going, no, Marina, there won't be another one. <laughs> no, they, 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 uh, come on. They wrote Nemesis. That's an ending. They wrote the it that so that it written, could be an ending. ending. They wrote it so that it could be an yeah, ending. They, which they did not do with Insurrection. They did not do for Insurrection. Um, we, we've got to talk about something you just said about extended features. Hmm. deleted yes. scenes all these things we've got to talk about this yes because this is an area that I, I think is good to kind of bring the show to an end because you and i actually agree mm-hmm. on something yes had nem let's just talk about nemesis first had nemesis included those deleted scenes that yeah. are on the, the the dvd this is a much better movie it, it is was. like probably the second best tng movie if they had had those scenes in it i agree they cut everything that I needed in Nemesis that was missing. Yeah. They cut everything that makes Star Trek interesting to me. They cut everything that I care about these characters for. And they cut it to make room for a chase. Take out the entire desert chase sequence. And they can find B4 another way. And that can be a two-second thing. That doesn't have to be a big thing. They can find them in another way. Take that out and put all these character scenes back in. This movie is a lot better oh yeah yeah it's like there's like so some like i think there was like kind of like uh my like list of four four scenes that i thought should definitely have been in there like there's the first one there's like after the wedding there's a scene between data and picard where they're sharing a a, like a a wine together and picard is kind of like talking about how the wedding he's like data notices that it's interesting that humans can feel both happy and sad at the same time and picard kind of talks about time passing 
the presence of time, the recognition that all these people are going on to do other things and that he's kind of still here mm -hmm. and that he envies them for their youth of being able to be like all these things that are going to be coming next for them. All these challenges is like to, is like to go forth. Also um, a great throwback scene to a similar discussion that they had in Generations. Yeah. Like closing a loop where, you know, Picard was talking about time being felt as an enemy. A companion or like, that, uh, that yeah. comes with you. But he, yeah, but he kind of like reframes it. This is a really good continuation of that, that they cut from yeah. the movie. And it begins with Data holding that flute, like the, the wind flute, mm -hmm. which is, which um, is like a thing that Picard got from that, like that, uh, like, was it? There was that um, episode where it was he the, it lives was the a probe. Yeah. yeah. The probe where he lives an entire lifetime in a matter of like minutes. And it's a crazy, it's, ama it's an amazing, like subtle callback to recognize that like, he's there now he's lived mm -hmm. pretty much a whole life now it's like mm -hmm. and where he was at the end of that is, is kind of where he is now with this thing it's like yeah. something only star trek fans would get because the screenwriter for this for nemesis is a really big star trek fan the um, director wasn't the director wasn't no Stuart baird is uh is an action director and that kind of shows um but then you look so yeah so that's a great scene um then there's another great scene uh, like a very short one with Worf when they're entering it's like neutral zone and he basically says we should be on high alert all the time because the Romulans fight without honor they only live for conquest which we know about Worf we know that he is like mm -hmm. that that he doesn't like Romulans because that they destroyed the uh, Kittimer which like killed his parents um and then for that to be then it's like there's that scene it's like and like that scene by itself we're like oh yeah I can see why you'd cut that but the reason they should have kept that scene in there is because then later on when he when Worf turns to um to uh, Riker after they fought with the Romulan warbirds and says the Romulans fought with honor. You're like, there it is. Like that is yeah. the moment where you can see the shift taking place yeah. in their mentality, which is going to be the reason why the Federation and Romulans are going to be able to start getting along in the future. Cause they mm -hmm. realize that these people can fight for honor. They're not only about deceit and conquest that should have been in there. 100%. And, and, and the, the, I think it's a knock against a film mm -hmm. to take out things like that. It yeah. means their priorities were in completely different directions of making. I mean, you, you took a lot of shots in insurrection for forced action. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nemesis has it too. Like yeah. they, Nemesis made the same mistakes thinking, well, we've got to bring in the big, like the general populace. Like we've got to bring in people who are not Star Trek fans to sell this movie to make enough money. Yeah. They just missed the bar because again, an example of a movie that did it perfectly is First Contact. It's mm -hmm. the perfect mix of action, like an action movie, but not overly done, not for no reason, not forcing action, and done relatively well. They just, to me, it just, and, and you promised me, you mm -hmm. said yeah. that, that the Riker versus Shinzon's little person, his dude, his viceroy, was, yeah. his viceroy was, was a short fight. It was less than, I, I said it was less than what you're thinking it is. <laughs> It's not, but not short. <laughs> it was, it was too long for me. I said, when that scene came up, I went, okay, great. Tyler promised me that this is shorter than I remembered. And then it was still going. And I'm like, what, why would he lie? Why would he similarly, lie to me just was to like, make me angry? It's a, it similarly, it was like in every sequence in Insurrection when they're just running around those cliffs shooting at drones. And it happens like three times where like we're in a, like a dialogue scene and then suddenly the drones show up and the music starts in again. And the so, third time it happens, yeah. even the actors look tired. The, the, <laughs> like, dr the drones are... The drones are my third one yeah that, that's your third talk, yeah I don't want so to okay so you've gone through three now so that means that we can talk about the enterprise being controlled as a, by a joystick yeah it's a that's a great moment because you're gonna so look at me it's like through digital space and you're gonna tell me that it's a great idea that the enterprise e should be able to be controlled by a joystick 
I didn't say it was a great idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. What I said was for him being a Riker, being the mind of a teenager, he would want the physical control in that moment. He would want a moment mm. to physically grab controls because he wants to be in control. And he wants to be the one to, as he said, shove this energy or gas down the throats of the Sona. So well, I'm really he, glad that the engineers of the Enterprise took that into consideration when they built a joystick to be able to control a mile-long ship. There's a reason why you control and, it. And Jean-Luc Picard, Jean-Luc Picard looks at a Jeep and says, oh, I just can't wait to drive that. Sure. Really? That's Jean-Luc Picard is going to say that? He wants adventure. You know, he's like, all the times where he's standing on the holodeck looking at all He these, rides like, horses. His, he, he looks on the holodeck and he wants to do like 1930s beat em up like film noir things. He's like, ah, oh, this was living. Like, it makes total sense to me that- Never he, wants to, he's not a, fe- he does, he is not a thrill seeker. He doesn't drive fast cars. He rides horses. He goes like, he doesn't. He likes thrills. He's like, he likes thrills. He's like, he, he got does there for not. A he does not like thrills. He's not someone who's like, oh, I'm going on a roller coaster. That's Riker. Anyway, the, the, the Jeep was one of my things that we weren't going to talk about. The no, the sand. No, you said the, no, the car chases. Oh, okay. I talked about the Jeep specifically. Oh, the Jeep. Okay. Well, I think that it's like, at least the Jeep is practical. I think that that's actually a pretty cool <laughs> What? They oh, a starship. A starship is going to have a Jeep on it. Yeah, why not? It's like, you need to move <laughs> <Why> around. <not? laughs> oh, my Lord. How many times in, in away missions have they been like, oh, it's over there, and then they have to, like, do a gentle jog? That's what, it's like, that's what a shuttlecraft is for? Like, they, they can create things that hover. Why do you? Why do they even have wheels anymore? Like, why? Like here we yeah, are, hundreds of years in the future, so they have <laughs> wheels? <laughs> like, if it was, like, a hover thing, I would have been like, oh, okay. Like, we don't have to reinvent sense. the wheel. It's like, they already got it. It's, it's <laughs> well, right there. You might as well that, use yeah. it. <laughs> I guess so. Um, okay, we've got to wrap up, Tyler. Okay, um, but I want to. I want to get some kind of. This has been fun. Yes, I want to get some closing thoughts from you on on Nemesis mm-hmm. and and Insurrection as a whole. But just in in one minute, thirty seconds per movie, give yeah. me just your closing closing thoughts on why Nemesis is a better film than Insurrection. Yeah. So for me, it comes down to just the matter of like, they both have the same problems, but then Insurrection also has these other problems. It also has, it always has that vestigial romance that's left over, as you pointed out from the original series days. It has these, like, like a, a final action sequence that is like unmemorable. It's like, uh, and that's the best part about it. Um, as opposed to like, when you look at Nemesis, not only does it have this really interesting action sequence, which we, which you managed to very deftly avoid talking about in terms of the actual ship to ship battles of the ships running into each other of like that moment where the bridge takes a hit and it's like, and they get the one guy, uh, the helmsman gets sucked out into space of like the, them fighting together with the Romulans of finding an actual strategy for how to take on close ships with like using the phasers and the like, and the torpedoes, all of that sort of like action thing that if you're going to make an action movie, that's a pretty good is like action set piece. Nemesis could have been better with those deleted scenes added. It is a shame that they're not in there. But even without them, at the end of that scene with uh, with Troy, it's not Troy, with uh, Data and Picard is like and uh, in stellar cartography when he like bring delivers the masterstroke of the film of the film of like I aspire to be better than I am. B four does not, nor does Shinzon. My wife turned to me and she said, "Well, that was really nice." I I am. Uh, we're going to watch Insurrection together. I will respond. I will let you know if there's a single moment that will be able to get that reaction. Um, I think it will be hard-pressed to find one. Um, I think that 
Star Trek Insurrection for me uh, is um, does a much better job of having the true Star Trek nature to it. I like the fact that it's a singular story. I like the fact that we got a chance to deal with age in a way that gets them into a position where it makes sense logically that they would be in an action movie. Um, I think Insurrection for me spoke more to the values of what I enjoy with Star Trek, even if it wasn't perfect, whereas Nemesis was the first paled and terrible attempt at Star Trek to create an action film. I didn't bring up some of the action pieces because, yeah, some of the things you described were excellent. But to me, the best action sequences are a balance between action sequence after a buildup of character drama, discussion, arguments, intrigue, mystery, all things that Nemesis tried to do and failed at miserably. It is worth noting that Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek Insurrection have the exact same average rating on IMDb of 6.4. So that's an important thing to end on. Uh, Tyler, you are an excellent opponent. Um, I unfortunately, you know, the only story I can say about finishing uh, Star Trek Nemesis was turning to my cat and saying, what did you think of that? And her walking away from me. So that tells you something, okay? Yeah, Um, it does. does. So so there you go. Um, Thank you for for doing this, Tyler. I hope people enjoyed it. I hope they got something fun out of it. Um, There's our big Star Trek debate. I'm sure we're going to come back to this and more topics later. Thank you again, Tyler, for doing this. Of course, yeah. Anytime I will come back and debate almost anything about Star Trek. Um, I have a lot of opinions. Great. Me me too. (laughs) I enjoy talking about them. Um, As Taylor says, go see some movies and of course, live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.